Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high achieving and ambitious mid level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings. How is everybody doing? I hope that you are having a fantastic summer. I hope that I feel like everybody is enjoying their summer all that much more because of what happened last summer or what didn't happen last summer. So I hope you're having lots of fun in the sun and enjoying yourself. I have a guest today. Her name is Carson Tate. I'm going to have her introduce herself in just a moment. And uh, she reached out to me um, about this topic and it's it really resonated about um, are you undermining your relationship with coworkers? And so we really are going to do a deep dive today on this relationship piece at work. And especially as we go back to work in the various configurations that we're going back to work, what does that look like? And how is, how is all of that affecting our relationships? So I would like uh, my guest, Carson Tate, to introduce herself. So first of all, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Lisa, thank you so much for the kind opportunity to be on with you and your listeners. So my name again is Carson Tate, and I am the managing partner of a firm called Working Simply. And we work with our clients to help them enhance the engagement of their team, elevate the productivity of their organization, and create a legacy that lasts. I have a degree in psychology, a master's in OD, and I'm the author of two books, Work Simply, Embracing the Power of Your Personal Productivity Style, and my newest book, Own It, Love It, Make It Work, How to Turn Any Job into Your Dream Job. And I think that the what I'm hearing from those titles and the conversation that you and I've had is, is that you are not you don't buy into this U.S. work ethic of we just have to work more hours and that's the solution to everything, just work, work, work. But that there's a better way to do this than that. There's absolutely, Lisa, a better way to do that, a way that allows for the full expression of who you are without sacrificing who you are in pursuit of that next title or more work, that there is a humanness that needs to be brought back to work. And when we are engaged and fulfilled and bringing our authentic selves to work, the results are extraordinary, not only for our organizations, but also for us as humans, as people. Mm-hmm. So those of you that are listening, if you think, if it feels like you are hanging your soul up at the entrance to your job every day, um, this is definitely the topic for you and uh, how how we can enjoy our, our, our jobs better, enjoy the people we work with better, and just in, increase the quality of our life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so you you brand yourself as an employee engagement expert. So what does that mean and how how specifically do you help companies find that 
you know, increased employee engagement? Why are they looking for it? Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. So first, Lisa, I think it's helpful to define employee engagement or the lens through which I think about it and my team and how we work with our clients. So we think about engagement really is about fulfillment, satisfaction, happiness, opportunity to leverage strengths, reward and recognition, and the full expression of all of us at work. That's how we define engagement. And so when we work with companies, we challenge what has traditionally been the employee engagement approach, which is the company is responsible. I'm going to have some ping pong tables. I'm going to give away tickets to sporting events, or I'm going to have a great office, and that's going to engage and fulfill my employees. Well, I think most of us probably could agree that helps, but that's not it. And the way we look at it is that it is actually a social contract that we have as team members with our employer. And this social contract is based on social exchange theory, give and take. So Lisa, you and I both have friends and we know that there are times when our friends are giving to us and there are other times when we receive, but we're in relationship for mutually beneficial goals. And so if we're going to be thinking about it as a company, you can't engage your employees in a vacuum. You can't make assumptions around what they need. It needs to be a mutually shared responsibility where as a company, you are asking your team members, what is engagement? What is that fulfillment, satisfaction, happiness, recognition, opportunity to leverage your strengths, look and feel like for you. And then as a team member, my responsibility for my own fulfillment, engagement, satisfaction, happiness, recognition, reward, opportunity to leverage strengths, work the way I want to work, is to know what those are and then ask for them. So we work both with the companies and helping them ignite this conversation. And then we work also with team members to help them really identify and own what they need to be fulfilled and engaged. That's a real mindset shift for me. And I imagine the listeners and the thought that you know, employee engagement is my responsibility as well as my company's responsibility. And I, it's very empowering to think that way. So you've really given me a mindset shift, Carson. Oh, <laughs> I love that, Lisa. That's great. And, I, and it's meant to be empowering for both parties, right? That, you know, I don't have to guess if I'm the manager, guess what is it that really lights Lisa up, what allows her to really bring her talents to the table. And if I'm you, Lisa, or me, I don't have to be like, well, why does Carson never say thank you and do a little shout out on email to the team when I've done something well? Because that really helps me. It motivates me. That's how I feel valued and seen. I have a great story around this and it goes well back into my work history, but I had, I've always worked around a lot of women. I've been in career services for 22 years before I uh, went full-time in my own practice. And I had a male staff assistant um, back in the day. And we would, we were getting ready for a big career fair and we had to work late into the night, but he was an hourly. He was the only person on the staff that was hourly. And I felt beholden to send him home because of the hours issue. And he, when we had a, a conversation after that event was over, he said, it really hurt me that you sent me home. Like, I want to be part of the group. And I felt like I was being punished 
by, and I thought I was helping him out. Yes. Right. You're like, I'm helping you out. And he's like, I don't feel valued. I'm being punished. I'm being sent away. I don't get to be part of the team and the effort. Yeah. It was such an eye opener for me because after that, subsequently, when I went to the next company and when I met one-on-one with each of my team members, I, I asked them that exact question. One of my, I'll never forget my secretary. She's like ice cream. That's what does it for me. So whenever we wanted to celebrate something that, that she had done or her birthday or anything like that, ice cream Sunday bar. Oh. <laughs> I'm with your secretary. Ice cream, that works. That'll, that's a good way to go to my heart too. <laughs> two things and I think the point is there's two things there I don't want to go home and I do want ice cream you wouldn't automatically assume that and I'm sure there'd be plenty of employees if you tried to put ice cream in front of them they'd be like wait a minute stop it but exactly for- <laughs> exactly and Lisa this reminds me of a another quick story just to really underscore what we're talking about here which is the assumptions mm-hmm. that we make and this is very old story for me back to my undergrad days. And I was taking a class, quite frankly, I had no business taking the class. was a little bit over my head at that point. And I submitted my first paper to the professor and it came back in these days um, when I was an undergrad, red pencil. I mean, it was bleeding. There was so much on it. The grade was not what I wanted it to be. So I went to see him during office hours and he had in his office uh, this small little chalkboard and his name was Professor Sessions and he stands up and he writes on the chalkboard the word assume, but he doesn't put it all together. He writes ASS space U space M-E. And he said, Carson, when I read your paper, you made an ass out of you and me with all of your assumptions. <laughs> like, thank you. I'll try again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the difference in that undergraduate experience for you and my undergraduate uh, disaster experience, I took a course in geology that I thought would be like rocks for jocks. Like you've heard that expression, how yes. hard to be, right? Yes. So it was the only class I have ever, undergrad or grad, ever uh, dropped out of because the day before the first test, we were doing a review and I realized how much trouble I was in because not only did I not understand the professor's answers to the other students' questions, I didn't understand their questions. <laughs> oh, God. It's like, oh, crap. You're right. This isn't going to go, go. I, I, I am so glad the drop ad period is still open. I'm out. I'm out. I will leave here and go to drop ad immediately. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about these relationships with coworkers and and let's set a foundation with why that is so important. Mm. And, and I'm curious as to how you've seen them be affected by the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So first, why they're so important. Well, I think everyone, this is probably not new information for everyone, but just to reaffirm it, that very rarely do we ever really work truly alone or in a silo. Most of our work is done collaboratively with other people on our team, cross-functionally. We might have vendor partners. Our work requires relationships. So to get our work done, care for our customers, we work in relation with other people. Now what's shifted in the pandemic is that most folks who do knowledge work, converting knowledge from one form to another have gone from the office to home 
And so now everything's done virtually. It's the Zoom meetings, it's the extra email, maybe the Slack, project management tools. And so when it was easy in the office, I could just walk over to Lisa's cube and ask a follow-up question, read her body language, start to understand where there might be the breakdown and why we weren't communicating well and why the project wasn't advancing. Well, I've lost in this virtual world, the ability to go and see her, talk to her quickly, real-time problem solve. And in this virtual world where we are right now, I can't read the body language as well, flat screen, or there are no nonverbal cues in an email. So Lisa, you might send me a one sentence email and the story I tell myself is, she's not very collaborative because she didn't give me all the information or she mad at me. She didn't even say hi, Carson, in her email. So then I start to tell myself stories about the relationship and the interaction that might or might not be true. Yeah, that's that's a big one is that we start to make up those stories to kind of fill in the gaps of the information that we don't have. And, and oftentimes those stories that we make up are not in our favor. I love what um, one of my coaches says, we're all delusional. So we might as well be <laughs> delusional in our own favor, right? Like, you know, I, I actually, I've, I've coined this phrase with my clients. It seems to resonate. I call it chicken salad thinking. And what I mean by that is you go back in the day when we had buffets, maybe we will have them again, but you go to this buffet and there's all this amazing food and there's fruit and desserts and just beautiful looking food. And instead of selecting any of that, we go to the back, to the corner, to this very suspicious looking chicken salad that has that film over the top of it. So bad, oh. right? We, we pretty much know what we're setting ourselves up for, but that's the thing we select off the buffet. And I think we do that with our thoughts very often. We absolutely do. And then here's the problem. We also operate off of confirmation bias. And so what this Mm -hmm. is, is so if I have decided that you are not a very collaborative partner based on the story I told about this email, now what I'm going to start doing is looking at every email or every call or Zoom interaction or file that you send me to confirm this story that I've made up. I've got to make sure I'm right about it. So now I'm scanning the environment and not maybe taking in all the facts and all what's true. And I just want to confirm the story that you're not collaborative. Exactly. And and part of confirmation bias also is if I come to you and I'm just super cheery and friendly and, you know, because nothing really was wrong, you're going to dis your brain is going to disregard that as being anomalous data because you've made this decision about our relationship. Exactly. My brain will filter it out because our brains are pattern making machines. They are looking for and want patterns and want to be able to predict what's going to happen. And you being cheery because the one sentence email was quite frankly, all that was needed. I had everything. Doesn't fit the story. Doesn't fit what the pattern my brain has established for us. So I can see a whole lot of problems around that when we're not meeting in person. So now let's kind of go to the future and, and, and the, the present for some of us. We're going back to work. Some of us are going back five days a week, eight to five. Others are having a hybrid format while still others are staying at home for whatever reason. So there's all this interesting kind of combination of 
possibilities. How, and let me add, bunch of new people probably coming into the office, a lot of new employees. How do we navigate all of that and manage relationships? Mm, yes. So let's start with just a little grace that it, it is massive change for all of us. Our social skills might feel a bit rusty. We aren't quite sure how to interact in terms of space, touch, where do I sit? Do I eat my lunch here? And so the first thing is just, it's new for all of us. So I've been telling our clients, you got to think about the first day that you went to middle school. Hmm. Pretty awkward for most of us. So we're just going to know it's going to be a little awkward and have some grace and space with ourselves. The second really important thing in the relationships if we're all back in the office together, as you said, or we're working completely remotely or a combination, whatever configuration it is, the being able to move from what most of us, I think we're taught in terms of the golden rule to the platinum rule is going to be important. So the golden rule, treat others as you want them to treat you. Now this serves us well. When we learned it, I learned it very early on. It was about empathy and relating to others. Works. But in this world of work, I'm going to suggest that we up-level to the platinum rule. We treat others the way they want mm -hmm. to be treated. And so what this is going to require in the new world of work is that we know our colleagues in a different way and then adjust our interactions to meet them and relate to them the way they want to be related and worked with. And one way that we do this, Lisa, with our clients is we talk about work styles, or as I like to call them, productivity styles. And I developed an assessment that we use with our clients to help them identify their work style, which is how you think, it's how you process, it's how you want to send the email, it's whether or not you're a list maker or not. But it informs every interaction you have with another person, particularly at work where we have to collaborate to get work done. So understanding if your colleague is more analytical or linear, fact-based, maybe they're more organized and structured, maybe they're more relational, or more, maybe they're big picture oriented, they don't like a lot of details, knowing their work style and then adjusting your interaction is really powerful. And that adjustment happens both in person as well as when we're using all of the phenomenal technology tools we have at our disposal. So let me give you an example. Let's say, for example, that I realize, do a little observation, talk to you and realize that your really work style preference is more analytical, linear, fact-based. You don't like a lot of fluff, really direct, succinct to the point. That's your preference. So if I get on a Zoom call with you and know that, I'm probably not going to take five minutes of our 30-minute call to chit-chat, share about soccer games, or, you know, we just found something new on Netflix, because that's not how you want to relate. You want to get down to business. What's the goal? What's the objective? Let's use our time wisely. If I send you an email and you're really analytical, I'm probably not going to say, hi, Lisa, because that's extraneous. I'm going to be very succinct, really direct and to the point. That's using the platinum rule to really strengthen and cultivate these authentic relationships we want. 
I love that. It sounds like there's a, a lot of Myers-Briggs going on there and what you were just <laughs> talking about, which I love. Yeah. yeah. So Myers-Briggs or DISC, Hogan, our productivity style assessment, choose. And your organization might even have a proprietary tool that they use. Social styles is really just understanding more about your colleague and how they prefer to work and communicate. And you don't even need an assessment. It can be just Lisa, I know we're back in this new work configuration, really want to be a great partner, like to talk about how we can best work together, how you prefer for me to send an email or how you think about deadlines. Can we have this conversation to really support us in our relationship? That's such an open kind of way to approach this and, and doing it before there's an issue when you're not you know, something hasn't gone wrong and you're trying to figure out why, but coming in fresh, I think that's a, an amazing tip for folks as they re-enter the work, uh, the, the work environment. I think it's also important here to watch your assumptions about the other employees that have <laughs> chosen a different work from home, work hybrid, whatever, their model is different for whatever reason, I'm hearing a lot of things about, well, if I don't go back in the war in the office, they I'll be out of sight, out of mind. And and then we if we're in the office, we think the people that are home have got it much easier than we do. And we make all these assumptions, which again can color that confirmation bias. Are you seeing that? Absolutely. I'm seeing it. I'm hearing it from our individual executive coaching clients. I'm hearing it from our corporate client partners where leaders and training for leaders around this. Absolutely. Um, it's another form of, of, I would say, bias, right, yeah. that yeah. we have. And so you're right. It's looking at really what this gets down to for me and the lens, which is probably not a surprise for you through which I'm looking at it is how we think about work and what it means to be a productive, committed team member. And I'm gonna suggest a lot of that structure is very old, like right after industrial revolution-ish of a committed team member is in the office and stays at their desk until the boss leaves. Mm -hmm. That's just not the model anymore. And I it's think just not the model. And, and if you find yourself telling yourself that story of, oh, they have it easier at home or maybe they're not as committed, I do think the opportunity is to pause and look at what is informing this story that I'm telling. Like get clear on is this culture? What's what is this about? Because we can't change it till we start to gain that insight and awareness. And it seems like part of it could potentially be that we ourselves did not make a good decision for ourselves as far as whether we wanted to be back in the office, assuming we had some options, whether we wanted to work from home. We didn't tell ourselves the truth about that or we're second guessing what we decided. And so the grass is looking greener on the other side. I think if we can stand in our own power on this is the right model for me in terms of my productivity, my career path my contributions to the company, all of that, then it seems like we would give other people a little bit more of a break. Absolutely. So one exercise that we have been working with our coaching clients on is why did you say yes to this new configuration? Mm. Because I believe, Lisa, I think we're aligned on this, that you're always a choice. Mm -hmm. you, 
always a choice. So let's reaffirm there was an option to, let's say, be back in the office five days or hybrid. We'll just stick with that one. And I chose hybrid. And I did it and we've partnered, I've partnered with my team. I know the days that I'll be in the office when most of them are there and we're working to schedule meetings to align. But I chose hybrid because I um, have an elderly mother that I've realized I need to spend a little more time in caring for. And when I'm not commuting into the office, that gives me an extra hour where I can stop by and check on her an extra day. I just got a new puppy and I want that. And then I also realized that I, a large part of my work requires focused, quiet, uninterrupted time for me to perform at my best. And I'm able to create that condition at home. That's fantastic. Really, really thinking through your decision, your reason for, for the decision, and then sticking to it, having your own back about that decision and not deciding that it's better. Some, it's some other configuration is going to be better. Better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I would challenge folks to Lisa for, for while we're in this rapid, it feels rapid to me transformation <laughs> that keep that visible, remind yourself of your why of why you chose this this configuration for you. Again, if you had, um, you're making some of those choices and how it supports your performance at work and the life that you want to live. So let's turn this conversation on the other side. And what are two or three indications that you might be undermining your working relationship? What's the evidence that you might be seeing? Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is that you are not being included, <laughs> right? So you hear, oh, there was a meeting on this project on Monday and I was not invited to attend. So, hmm, interesting, not included. Two, you are not being sought out for insights or to share, to collaborate. And three, you find yourself, this is a little self-reflection, that you have told yourself a story about everyone in the office and have set yourself up as you're the only one in the office fill in the blank and everyone else does this mm -hmm. and you are now living in this confirmation bias hell. So you've created a victim villain mentality. You got it. Oh, that sounds like a fun place to work. Mm. All right. So now let's talk about solutions. So we've maybe identified that we are in some ways undermining situations at work or, uh, and so we want to repair them, or maybe we're going into a new situation or it feels like a new situation at work. There's been a lot of turnover and it's a really different world and we want to come in on the right foot. What are maybe two to three things that we can do to avoid undermining and really have that positive relationship from the jump? Yes. So we're going to start with the conversation that I mentioned earlier, because I do believe this is a fresh start for all of us, because in some way we are returning to work. So whether you want to repair or it's new relationships, start with the conversation. Nice to meet you, or I'm glad we're back together. I think this is a great opportunity for us to really explore how we can best collaborate and work together. Let's talk about our communication styles. Let's talk about our work styles. Start there. Then secondly, look for 
how you might or might not be triggering what are called SCARF threats. And SCARF is like a is an acronym, just like a scarf you would put around your neck. So all of us as humans are social animals. And social pain, not being invited to that meeting or on the personal front, not being invited to the dinner, hurts and is processed in your brain the exact same way as if you touched a hot stove. So relationships and social connection are primal needs. And all of us have these five scarf threats that when triggered, either consciously or unconsciously, can send us into fight or flight, which we know is either I want to punch you in the face <laughs> or I want to take my toys out of this toy box and I'm going to go sit down the hall in my own cubicle and not ever play with you again. Mm -hmm. Neither of which work. So here are the five domains. And then here are some things to be watching out for. So the first one is status. This is about power. Who has power? Who does not have power? What is my power relationship or dynamic in this situation? So to mitigate a status threat, if we're in a physical environment, this isn't, this is really simple. I would make sure I'm sitting next to the person, not across a desk that creates a power differential, naming roles and responsibilities. We all know what we're responsible for. The second one is certainty. That's the C. And we've alluded to why this is so important. This is about your brain being a pattern hungry and pattern requirement tool. So anything that's uncertain creates anxiety. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to predict. Your brain can't predict what's next. So think about it this way. Um, you're in your car and your favorite song comes along on the radio. You sing along, you love it. Like you're happy, you're smiling and your brain's happy because it knows the lyrics. So we can trigger consciously or unconsciously a certainty threat if there's a lack of clarity. Simple solutions, meeting agendas, working agreements, back to the first strategy around how we can work together, expectations, deadlines, processes, all will dial down that certainty. Then the A is all about autonomy. Do I have agency, choice, and control over how I work, when I work, with whom I work? And on autonomy, we don't want to trigger this with a colleague intentionally or unintentionally. So it's making sure that there is ample choice and allocation or distribution of work, thinking about choices. Let's look at a couple of different times for us to meet versus it has to be done this way. Then the R is about relatedness. So this is about being connected, part of a team, part of a group. And if we feel like we're not part of the team or the group, it's going to trigger that fight or flight. So what I've been suggesting around mitigating a relatedness threat is since some of it is new, new people coming back together is new, is to create opportunities to explore common interest. So at the start of your meeting, can everybody share their favorite dessert? Um, are you talking about favorite movies or experiences that can create some relatedness to each other? And then the F is fairness. And this is, why did Lisa get to have two chocolate chip cookies? And I only got one chocolate chip cookie. It's not fair. 
And fairness, like certainty, you can mitigate this threat when there's clarity around decision making. So this is how we're going to decide. This is who's involved in the decision making, clear policies and procedures. But any of these scarf threats, status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, or fairness, can significantly undermine a relationship. And as soon as that threat is felt by the other person, their ability to stay engaged, collaborative, and really work with you goes out the door because they're now either in fight or flight. Such good information. So important. You know, I was thinking as you were saying that the, the phrase that people don't leave companies, they leave bosses and they leave coworkers and they leave, you know, they leave the office politics. That's what they're leaving for. And there's so much that we can do as leaders, but also as just members of a team to help with, with these issues and, and build those relationships. So that fantastic, fantastic. All right. So the listeners are on board. They're totally going to have great working relationships. What's the upside to them? Give us, give us the payoff for the employees who are building these fantastic relationships. Yes. So I'll just start with some Gallup data. So according to Gallup, folks who have a best friend at work, friends at work, are happier, they're more productive, and they're more engaged. I think all of that is fantastic. Two, you're going to be able to get your work done. This is the productivity person, Amelia, more <laughs> effectively, efficiently, and with less stress and time and effort. It's just going to be easier. And third, I just believe from a human perspective, just the richness of authentic relationships and the ability to learn and grow together when there is that trust allows us to reach possibilities and potentials that we can't alone. And it's very difficult to do without a trusted group who's supporting us, encouraging us and challenging us along the way. Fantastic. Well, Carson, this has been amazing. It's it's really been an eye-opener for me, and I'm sure it has been for the listeners as well. How can people get in touch with you? Absolutely. So Working Simply, our website, workingsimply.com or LinkedIn. That's my favorite social platform. And it's the Carson Tate on LinkedIn. So I'd be happy to connect on either one. Excellent. We'll put those in the show notes. And uh, folks, if you have any questions, um, Carson, can they, can they, is there a way for them to communicate with you on your website? Yes. Yeah, so um, you can always email Carson.tate at workingsimply.com. There's an info email address on our works on our working simply site info at workingsimply.com. And then on LinkedIn, message me and get, I will get right back to you. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you guys reach out to Carson with any questions or um, any additional information that you need. And uh, I hope this has been as uh, interesting and as insightful for you as it has been for me. And I will see you guys next week. Take care. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.